Welcome to The Longest Road with yours truly, Josh Williams. This isn't your average everyday sports show. No, this is a sports storytelling show. Growing up as a kid, my grandfather would share stories upon stories of these larger-than-life sports figures. Muhammad Ali walking into McDonald's. Elvis Presley walking out of the Doubletree. Watching Barry Sanders and Walter Payton in person. And even seeing Dick Buckus hit someone so hard that he killed a man. I was enamored. His best friend, neighbor, was a former NFL player who took my grandfather to NFL alumni events all the time, where these moments and stories became lessons that these larger-than-life figures are people too. He once told me, instead of asking for an autograph, to ask them a question. These questions are now the bridge from larger-than-life to everyday you and I. And just like my grandfather did with me, I want to share these stories with you. So ladies and gentlemen, the journey starts now. Welcome to The Longest Road with Josh Williams. Today I'm joined by South Bend's Coy Brown, who is a Michiana native, former Division I athlete who had a self-identification process through college that has brought him here to move on to the next part of his life, where now he is inspiring individuals and trying to make a difference in his community. Coy, you and I met uh, back at the Olaf South Bend Hotel a couple of years ago when I was working there, and here we are. Whoever would have thought we'd be sitting in a studio together getting ready to record an episode where we're talking about who is Coy Brown. Coy, right. thank you for being here, and uh, how's everything been? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to, to share my story and be with you guys here today. The one question that brought up to my mind when I first met you was, who is this guy? Uh, you have this charisma about you that uh, you walk into a room, it lights up. People notice that. It's going to serve you well in this young professional network that you are embarked upon. But let's go back to the question of who is Coy Brown. That was the question then. It's still the question now. Tell us a little bit about who Coy Brown is. Where did where did Coy Brown start? Where did where did life begin for Coy Brown? Correct. Yeah, that's a that's a really good uh, filled question. And you know, Coy Brown started young age in Elkhart, Indiana. Born and raised there. Uh, my mother was a mother of three, single mother, so she worked very hard, hustled, had to do what she had to do, opposite of support for her kids, and and I, I you know I commend her for that, and still do for to this day. Um, so uh, growing up, you know, after having three kids, two two siblings older than I was, um, sports was a big thing in our family, you know. So so growing up, um, you know, my brother did everything under the sun: basketball, football, baseball, you name it. He was a natural athlete, six two, two thirty, two twenty five, uh, you know, just great athlete, right? Sister did softball and uh, gymnastics growing up, and continued to do that in uh, throughout high school. And as I grew up, my dad wasn't around. Right. So for me, uh, my mom was my father and it was never, you know, I always tell a lot of people, it was never like my dad was really on the table. It's, you know, when he was gone, it wasn't like I was, I was hurt. Um, because my mom always stepped in, uh, we never really seen that, you know, dad was gone or why, where is he at? It was kind of like, Hey, this is the way it is. And we're going to continue to go forward. So a big thing for me was my dad not being there, nor did it, did it hold me back? Did I have resentment? No. Um, I never felt any anger toward him or still don't. Um, I think things could have been different um, at a young age and even now as a, as a young man. But um, growing up, dad wasn't around and uh, my brother was someone who I idolized. He was a star athlete, well-known, very popular and um, you know, great person in the community. So I, I looked up to him and that was kind of a father figure for me. And as I got older, I realized you know, football primarily was something I was good at. 
And I said, look, man, if I can really focus, if I can really uh, hone in on this sport and put the work in, right, the time, the effort, the blood, sweat, and tears, I could probably go to the next level. You know, fortunately, my brother didn't make it uh, due for, you know, personal reasons on his, on his end. Um, and I was the next one in line, you know, as, as a ball boy in high school. Um, and when he was in high school, I was I was there, right? The, the, the parents, the coaches yeah. see me come up kind of through the, through the ranks. And uh, I was the next one to kind of lay my imprint on that on that legacy and that tradition of excellence at Northwood. And, um, you know, as I got there, uh, went to some college camps uh, in, in high school, traveled around, put a lot of work in, uh, put the summers and winters. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get a full ride scholarship at Bowling Green State University. And, um, you know, I remember the day I got it because I was actually I got a scholarship from Toledo the day before, which was ironic. But um, <laughs> that is a little ironic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a little ironic. Right. I-75. So I was a little I was I was surprised, um, but also thankful, you know, because I knew my mom couldn't afford school. And, and you know, my my college, you know, education and sports, um, I would say sports education really was was really my golden ticket, it was my Willy Wonka, I would say, to, to the next <laughs> level. You know, I knew that was that was something great for me, great something great for my family, for my community, for me to make it and, and do something with that to really get out and do the the things I really desired at that moment in time. So, you know, after that, I, I actually left high school early in 2011 and enrolled in Bowling Green in 2012 of January. And uh, I remember the first day because it was freezing that day. It was in the morning, early, I think 7, 8, 8 a.m. for orientation. Uh, but you know, long story short, the transition was very easy. I got there, very socialized with a lot of people, uh, which was never an issue. And uh, as I got on campus, I was very motivated. I think, as you said, charisma, which I appreciate. A lot of coaches, um, you know, they recognize the hard work, the worth ethic, um, the willingness. Right, as a as a team member, I wasn't. I didn't have. I don't have a big ego. Never had one. Um, but I, I put the time and I put the work in. And for me as a young kid, being 17 when I got on campus, I wanted to prove myself. Just I think like any athlete, you want to prove yourself. You want to get out there. You want to be seen. And, you know, I made sure I did that. I got a lot of recognition from... It sounds like, though, proving yourself has been something that not just occurred during football, but it's having something to do with proving yourself to your brother, to your mom, that, hey, you don't need dad. I'm here. I got this. Yeah, something that has been all your life, you've been proving yourself... Did that prepare you for everything that you're going to have at Bowling Green to have to prove yourself all over again? I, it is, and I'm glad you brought that up. As as I look back in hindsight where I'm at now, there was a lot of proving. Not for other people, right? I never had to prove for other people. Right, sure. you know, I wanted to be seen, but it was a lot of internal proving for myself. And I think that comes with a lot of self-doubt of why I was wanting to do the extra mile, why I wanted to you know, prove to myself, like you said, that there was a lot of proving I had to do to build myself up. And, you know, proving myself has always been something I've, I had to work on there and, and and just wanted to do throughout my whole career. I think it's been an imprint, um, really, you know, I would say something that's been something important in my life. And it, it's, it's, it's done me well, I think, over my cor- course of my career. And that, but that's a huge cornerstone of who you are is having that chip on your shoulder, if you will, to have to constantly yeah. keep proving yourself. So, okay, here we are. We're at Bowling Green now. Yep. Continue on. Yes. Bowling Green, like I said, 2012, greatest year, my freshman year. My, my roommate, Jamal Hosley, um, I want to give a shout-out to him from Detroit. So, we, you know, we very clicked very well, got on campus, could do everything as a student athlete, right? Uh, go to class. I was a 3-0 student. Uh, go to the physical, you know, the workouts, the 5-in workouts, the same workouts, and, and be up there with the upperclassmen. As I progressed, like I said, I got a lot of recognition from upperclassmen, Paul Swan, who was kind of a mentor to me, um, who was a Mike linebacker there, upperclassman, when I arrived. 
and uh, Coach Lee, who's now at Notre Dame, Clark Lee, a uh, great, great gentleman, and uh, some of the upperclassmen. So I, I gained some respect coming in here, preparing, keeping my mouth shut. Were but, you intimidated at all by any of the upperclassmen arriving on campus 2011, 2012? No, I wasn't intimidated, but I will say DJ Lynch. If you look him up, DJ Lynch was a massive, muscular teammate. I mean, this guy was, was huge. <laughs> and uh, we would always crack, crack jokes, you know, linebackers. He was just, he was just built. I mean, his body type was NFL, you know, material. Thick neck, as I think the yeah, kids would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he was, he was, he was huge, uh, but never, never intimidated. Um, I think at times shy, um, and that probably comes from a childhood experience. You know, very shy. Didn't want to, not necessarily rock the boat, but I just wanted, I wanted to be shy, make sure I was asking the right questions. Didn't want to seem, in my eyes, um, you know, I would say ignorant. Wouldn't say dumb, but I didn't want to seem ignorant that I didn't know. And uh, I want to make sure I was asking, like I said, the right questions. And, um, you know, I was I was coming correct, essentially. So, yeah, we're at, we're at Bowling Green. And I got a lot of recognition, uh, doing very well. And, and I started to see my my, my, my project, projective of my career, of my vision going forward. All right, I was excited. I'm a freshman. Um, you know, and, and have a time to play on the team. Um, really make, uh, you know, some some uh, experience. to splash on the team freshman year. We're playing Florida against Jeff Driscoll and them and uh, Matt Elam in 2012. So for me, I was starting to get on, you know, ones and twos, trans, uh, you know, rotations, and I was excited. As we got through the career or throughout the course of the season, uh, started actually my you – know, I didn't start, but I played on special teams against Florida. So that was a uh, an amazing experience for me um, to play in the Swamp my freshman year. And I really got my feet wet. What was you know, that like? I mean, come on. We're talking about it now. We might as well go there. Yeah, yeah. We might as well rise first game. What was that? Uh, you know, looking back, one, I'll say it's hot. Okay? So hot in Florida. Gainesville's but, that hot, huh? Yeah. Uh, if you were looking at the stands, you're probably seeing people passing out there. You could ask my family. <laughs> uh, it was ridiculously hot. But the experience itself uh, was wonderful. It was it you was almost, your family there? Yeah. Nice. Family came down. And it was really kind of surreal to be on the field. We're warming up. Um you know, just and I was with the upperclassman Dwayne Dwayne Woods, who was a linebacker. He was a senior that year. It was you know kind of surreal just to be in that moment to look at the stands. You know, you pay NCAA as a kid. Now you're in the stadium. Now you're there to see the fans, to see the excitement, and to say I'm here. Right. I think all athletes probably go to a situation where you're at D1, D2, D3, even NFL, and you say I'm here. Not so you maybe you made it, but I'm in here. Like I've this is something I'm doing in real life. And and to to play against you know five star athletes those at those future NFL stars um, was a little a little nerve wracking you know as you're on the field because you're a freshman this is a big time stage on ESPN but it was a thrilling exciting um, unbelievable and something you'll never forget um, any athlete being there to enjoy that to experience that I think uh, you even more though right I mean, yeah going back to when you said that you felt like you got the Willy Wonka ticket when you you got the scholarship to Bowling oh, yeah. Green. This has to be something that's like, am I even here? Am I dreaming? Is this real? Yeah. How did that impact you? Yeah. So you really got uh, for me. It was I had to take it in. It was. It was. I guess I keep on saying it's. It was surreal. Um, like I, I'm here. Like I made it, and and I'm doing exactly what I envisioned I was going to do. So that brought some reinforcement to myself. Um, that saying, hey, you, you can do this. And once again, I think that's proof. I'm trying to prove to myself, hey, you can do this. Like you're you're capable. Uh, to do this on this type of level, uh, at least with these type of athletes and these coaches. So for me, it was it, once again it was kind of a reinforcement, reaffirmation to myself that uh, you're worthy. You're worthy enough to be here. You can do this. 
and and that's what really kind of that experience uh, did for me as a student athlete. That's incredible. That's incredible. So you're playing Florida. You're going throughout that season. Uh, that's not the first time I'm assuming that uh, you had kind of like the starry-eyed uh, feeling throughout that season, or is it? It was that did the starry-eyed kind of subside after Florida? Uh, starry-eyed. Um, good question. I would say uh, really that was the for sure. That was for sure the the first experience, the first moment that really kind of opened my eyes. But really the whole the whole season because uh, I think we played V Tech that year. That Fuller, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. youngest brother Fuller, oh, yeah. was there at V Tech that year. And uh, I believe another big time team at that time, but really those experiences, that whole journey, uh, was kind of a, a realization that uh, this is it. Because behind the scenes, the workouts, the traveling, the get on a plane, um, the hotels, the walkthroughs, just all of that was uh, a new experience for me. It's a new, it's a new journey, a new chapter. That hey, this is the way we're doing things now, right? You go from high school to college, and this is the routine. This is the structure. Uh, so you had to tap into another, a new level of discipline, a new level of, of mental understanding. And for me, that was the whole season was kind of not necessarily star-eyed after that game, but it was definitely a new perspective. And so at, at Bowling Green, this is where, for the folks who are listening, this is where Corey Brown undergoes his self-identification phase. Yes. And after this 2011-2012 season, it seems like this is where it kind of begins. It seems like, uh, at least from the outside perspective, looking at the Florida experience, it seems like you had gotten your taste of what you had wanted out of college football. Mm-hmm. And this seems like the beginning of not the unraveling of your college football career, but the beginning of what your adult maturity career is going to look like. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So after the Florida game, after that, really that whole season, um, you know, there was, there was a progression. There was, there was a, uh, I would say like an invincible hand, an urgency to want to do more, put more time in. You had upperclassmen that uh, I respected, Paul Swan, DJ Lynch, Gabe Martin, um, those upperclassmen that that would almost push you to, hey, let's, let's invest our time, let's get here on the weekends, put some work in. So as I got a taste of that Florida game, as I got a taste of for the season, playing you know, backup, getting some plays, making some plays on special teams, making some plays on defense as a, as a rotation, as a, as a backup, um, you did want more. And, and I think for me in that moment as a freshman, I wanted to to be almost like the first a freshman. I want to get out there and and, and do that right sure, and, and be sure. with some upperclassmen and and have some fun and, and create some memories. So there was a taste for me to to do more, um, and it, it also helped. Not only was I self motivated, but I had upperclassmen pushing me and say, "Hey, you need to be in here because they realized and I knew that I was going to replace them as they left. Right? These guys had another year left, and you know they needed. They knew that I needed another playbook just as much as they did." And I need to take care of business, uh, so when they are hurt, that we're not missing a beat. So there was kind of that group camaraderie that saying, "Hey, we're, as a group as linebackers, we need to make sure we're all on the same page." Right back to you and your brother growing up, and your competition between them, right? Next man up. Yeah, your brother wasn't ready to go. You had to go. Absolutely. Here you are. Absolutely. All preparation for everything that led you here. It, it did. It seems like your life has just been preparation for everything that's going. And as we go along this interview here, we're going to keep hearing more about these building blocks that have yes. just uncovered. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and I even looked at those, those upperclassmen as brothers. Um, you know, almost like I said, sure. they were my brother because um, they had, I would say, you know, the, the maturity, the experience, I knew what they were doing. So I was looking for, for help, for guidance, for mentorship. And, um, you know, it was there. Like I said, that's where you get that taste. And it was, uh, for, for me, like I said, a, a, a maturity to say, hey, this is the way we do business and we're going to continue to get better. And speaking of the maturity, we'll talk about now 
the maturity transition from football to yep. life itself. Yes. So, you know, going past Bowling Green, um, and, and just to, for the viewers, I guess, for listening, I want to kind of give a, a backstory on it, too. As I got through my freshman year, that went through my sophomore year, um, Josh, you know, for me, um, I realized I got big into reading. Um, I was never a reader. Okay? Really? So for who's listening, I was never a reader. Um, but I had friends who were doing entrepreneurship. I seen them doing very well. Um, as I got to my sophomore year, as I kind of ended, as probably mid-season my sophomore year, um, you know, my, my, my passions kind of deviated. They wanted a different, I've had a pivot, a pivot where I wanted to go in my direction. And, you know, as I look back now, um, I, I, I was one, I think discouraged in a sense that, um, my learning was a little bit different. So, you know, as the beginning of my freshman year was on the high, right? There was a lot of, you know, internet forums. There was a lot of stuff talking about Coy Brown. You're doing good, right? So you like that. It builds you up and I'm doing well in the field, in the weight room, the coaches are happy. And as my sophomore year, I I would say uh, I wouldn't maybe got comfortable, but I realized I thought I had it right. You think you got it, you know it. And as we transitioned, I think we got a new coaching staff that my sophomore year, and uh, you know the playbook was a little different, so it was a little challenge for me to reset myself, and it was discouraging for me personally as I look back from maybe an ego, not an ego that I wasn't able like uh, in a boastful way, but an ego that I took a, a you know a hit on my ego that man, man, I'm not getting this as fast. And uh, that was discouraging for me, but at the same time, not only was that happening, uh, my passion was leaving from football. Um, like I said, I got into reading, <laughs> and I was—I would say I was a page flipper. But uh, I got into two books: "Rich Dad, Poor Dad," and "Think Real Rich." And this is where it kind of went from football to post life. As we get into this kind of segment, is my interest got lost? I wasn't—I uh, would say devoted. I, I was still studying, but it wasn't. It just—it didn't feel the same as it did you know, uh, 18 months ago from when I first started. So did it feel more like a job that you it, had it to did. do? It, it really did. And I feel bad, you know, because my upper class, my teammates, uh, you know, when I eventually left speaking on it now, they were upset. A lot of them were, were, were you know, for lack of a better terms, they were mad. They were upset that I left. Sure. They knew I was supposed to be next in line. They, they knew that I was supposed to be there, right. Be a part of that team. Um, they went on and won another Mac championship that next year. Um, but I was discouraging myself. Was and, that tough? I mean, honestly, was that tough? It was. I was in a situation where I wasn't happy. I really wasn't happy. I think that was the first time I really dealt with some some adversity internally. Like I was, and, and I wasn't really a, a person to talk much. I didn't really share sure. my personal life. I wasn't really vulnerable. Um, so you kind of contained that throughout that period too. So no one's knowing that Corey Brown's really feeling this type of way going into his sophomore season. No, and so. Uh, that has that has to be the toughest to be silent in that moment to have all those emotions and feelings. What happens next? Yeah. So yeah, no one knew. Like you said, no one knew. My team, my roommate, my best friend didn't know. It's just uh, it was like keeping a secret from everybody. Right. And and my coaches knew. Probably wasn't always focused there. Right. I was thinking about my future. What do I want to do after this? So what happened next is uh, come after my junior year, um, and really right before that, I was thinking about leaving leaving Bowling Green. I said, Do I really want to be here? And it was difficult because uh, my mom was proud of me. My community was proud of me. I had a lot of buy-in from the community, and they liked to see I was doing well. And uh, it was almost, you know, as a kid, you don't want to dis- disappoint your parents. Right, right. Of and, um, you know, I really had to sit down and say, you know, what do you want, Koi? Like, what, where do you want to go? What are your morals? What makes you happy? And, and you got to go for what you want. So after my junior summer classes, I ended up calling my coach and, and letting him know I was leaving. And, um, you know, it was probably one of the hardest things to do 
Um, I was shaking. I was almost, I was looking at the phone. I was I was scared to call him. You know, I didn't want to disappoint him, but I knew um, there was something else that I wanted to do. And I think that was really the first time I had to stand up for myself. I said, look, this is what I want. And you got to be a man about it. So I called him and let him know. Called my mom and I started, you know, crying. It was emotional. And she wanted me to stay. You know, I had a year and a half left. But um, I knew there was something out there. You know, not for whoever's listening, I didn't know what it was. But I knew there was some type of avenue. There was hope. There was something that I was going for that I knew um, was there. I just had to find it. And I was willing to bet on myself. I bet on myself and took a risk and said, this is what the direction I want to go. And, you know, many people may not agree with it, but I'm okay with that. And I knew from that day forward it was going to be different. And uh, so I transitioned out of Bowling Green and came here back to South Bend. No one ever has to uh, agree or disagree with how what you made a decision. The important thing is, is when the listeners hear this, they're going to hear the fact that you were mature enough to make a decision at that point in time to say, okay, I'm not going to put myself and energy through all of this if it's going to be for not. I'm going to let my teammates down at that point. Yeah. That had to have been so hard, though, with your brothers, though, uh, in that moment, not being able to tell them. Do you think they had a lot of resentment because they didn't understand? And, and maybe if you would have explained it a little bit more to them, maybe that would have been a little different? Or yes. would, no matter what happened, even if you would have explained to it, you would have been still gone out of Bowling Green no matter what? Yeah. I mean, I was going no matter what, but I think if I would have explained it, it would have been a little bit better. Um, they could have received it a little bit better. I know my mom probably had some resentment on my brother. Um, he was just proud of me. My family was proud of me. And I knew that was hard. So I, I know they were mad. I know my mom would cry, um, you know, the next season, following the field, season after yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Right. I'm supposed to be there, right? You're supposed to be on there. They won the MAC championship. They're doing well, right? Going tailgating. So a lot of that, that those memories, those family memories, I know there was probably a little resentment those first two, three years I was out. Um, and it was, it was hard, you know, to see that because I know I was letting them down. But Another chip on your shoulder, though, to add to the bunch. Yeah. Let's talk about senior year. Uh, well, obviously, after junior year, yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah, so after yeah, after junior year, um, I come back here to South Bend and, and um, you know, still didn't know what exactly what I wanted. Um, I started to expand my mindset in a sense of entrepreneurship, self-help. What year is this? Is it 2015, 2016? 20, uh, 2014, somewhere like 2014. July, 20, July 2014, I come back and... It's um, a different time here in South Bend, too. Yeah. Very different time. Very different. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm back in the community and uh, I get back into IOSB here uh, for that semester and uh to be honest with you i didn't really enjoy the it was a lot smaller it was definitely a feel from going to 20 something thousand to like <laughs> of course 1000 it was it was different uh, but i enjoyed my business law class i did well there and uh finished up that semester i got a call from a buddy from indianapolis named george um and he's like hey man we're looking for a young guy to travel and, and help out some ymcas some other companies do some marketing and a little bit of, uh membership retention i said what the heck i'll do it i'm young I'll travel and sure again, I hit the road and, and I'm in a different direction, right? In that time, I'm traveling, I'm, I'm meeting a lot of people, great, great environment, making good money. Um, this time, I think I'm in uh, Mississippi and I'm um, in Starkville at Mississippi State University. And, you know, I get a call from, actually, I go, excuse me, I go, actually go out to LA to a seminar. And um, I went out to a seminar for a self help from uh, Bob Proctor. Okay, so Bob Proctor is a prosperity coach um, who's worked with uh, IBM, Prudential, Eric Thomas, Tony Robbins. So his his track record is very successful. And he spoke a lot about the mindset and who you really are. And uh, I went out there and I knew a mutual friend out there named Darren Gibson. Um, Darren at the time was 23. Um, I really looked up to him. 
from a successful standpoint. You had a nice house at the time, had a Lamborghini, you know, so financially he was doing very well. And uh, I said, look, man, I'd love, to, I'd love to better my results. I'd love to get to know you. Um, and, you know, I can always remember today, he had big white teeth. And, uh, he <laughs> Bob Barker's. Yeah, right. And he said, if you're serious, you know, we'll sit down. So we sit down the next day and, and at breakfast, and I'm telling where I'm at. And, uh, you know, granted, Darren is a, um, a consultant, essentially, for Bob's company. And uh, he said, well, look, man, you should buy this program, right? Slides across the table. I said, what the heck? You know, I know I'm sure he's probably going to sell it to me. So I buy it. Um, obviously I knew the credibility of what he was doing and who he was working with, um, for you sports listeners, he was kind of like a Bill Russell or Larry Bird, kind of those legends, Walt, you know, Wilt Chamberlain kind of had the, he had the record already there. Right. And I uh, said, so well, look, I'll buy it. I go back to Mississippi now. And about that August of 2015, um, or September, I hit a wall again, right? Another chip where I'm like, man, I'm, I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I don't feel fulfilled. Like there's no purpose in what I'm doing. I'm not happy uh, really doing this. And I felt that like it was just like, you know, day in, day out. And there was no foundation there. And, and I felt that about a week goes by and Darren calls me back and he says, look, man, you should move in with me. I said, move in. I was uh, a little shocked, a little surprised at the same time and a little happy. Yeah, of course. Right. right. A little happy. <laughs> and uh, I thought about it for a couple of days. And I said, what the heck? I'll move in with you once again. I realized, what, what can I lose? I have a gentleman who's doing very well, and he's working with a gentleman who's very credible, who's worked with a lot of successful people. There's only good that can come out of this. You know, and if I lose, and then I can get another job and, and um, you know, go back to the workforce, whatever it is. So in that moment, when I move in with Darren, he's from Indianapolis, just so you know. Um, at that point, I was already studying a lot of self-help. I was already kind of self-reflection, uh, self-identification, just really internally looking in for the past three, three and a half years. And in that time... I was really uh, getting myself outside that comfort zone because Darren was all about results. You had to get the results. And for me, um, I had all this information, but I was scared to jump, right? I think a lot of us, even maybe some of the viewers are listening, I was scared to look over the cliff and what if, man, what if I fail? I'm supposed to be an Division One athlete. How will I look, you know, dumb to other people? What if I fail? Absolutely. Um, and I always tell people, right, to know and not to do means not to know. Ooh, right ooh. to know and not to That's do a quite brown original there is not to know and, and i that really hit me because i knew all this information right if we have all this perfect plan if i do all this right then i'll do it absolutely and um i was scared to jump but in that moment i learned a lot about just putting myself out there and i learned a lot about being me um i wasn't comfortable with my voice i was insecure so how did you to, how did you sharpen those tools being around darren studied a lot i studied a lot about practice programs um, started to put myself out there, meeting a lot of people. I would say really that's how I got really well with meeting a lot of people. Because I met a lot of people with Darren and traveling to Toronto, traveling to LA, traveling to Phoenix. You met a lot of, I would say, wealthy people with a lot of money, very successful, but very good people. Um, and I just got better being me, being authentic, being um, caring, and being authentic with the person. Like, you know, who are you? I know you got this money. I know you have this position, but who are you behind all of that? And that's who I, that's, I think, what separated me of meeting people because that's what I wanted to know. Right. Because I think that was what I was looking for myself. Like, behind all this stuff, behind all the accolades, who are you? Like, I want to get to know you, the real you, without the persona. Take your mask off. So, for me, that's what I learned a lot in that time uh, was just doing the doing, putting the work in, essentially, the action part. Uh, what's remarkable to me is uh, you've, captured the, you've captured something here where you've become comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah. and that is a masterful art that 
a lot of young people still don't understand how to master yet. Mm-hmm. So for you to do that, it's all just putting this story as more of an inspirational message now to younger people who are listening, who might take a listen, to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Because Absolutely. You're making your biggest growth here as you are finally getting uncomfortable with saying, yes, okay, let's circle the globe and see what we have to do. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. So as I, as I got uh, through there, at the time, my, my uh, girlfriend was pregnant with our daughter, Sophia. Um, so I come back in November 2015, uh, Crown Christmas. Um, and once again, I come back and I say, okay, Koi, what the heck do you want to do? Okay. You traveled around. You met a lot of great people. You've done a lot of things, right? You played sports in college. You've just experienced a lot at a young age. Um, I write a shopping list down. And sure enough, out of all that, it was speaking and writing. Now, at the time, I was not a speaker. If we had to do a project in class, I was hoping it was a group project. Like, I was one of those people. I was scared to speak. Uh, I wouldn't even be on this, this, this you know, radio show right now. I was so scared. And um, for me, that was huge um, to really to really step out. And I knew speaking was important because I realized the information I was studying was about, was about me, but it was about you. You know, it wasn't rah, rah. It was about who are you internally, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And if you can understand that and study yourself, um, you can really change your life. And I'm not saying overnight, which could happen, but you know, through a course of time, through repetition, through being disciplined and, um, and really putting the work in, you can really change your life internally. Um, so speaking was the main thing. Writing was another thing, which was ironic. Uh, I know all freshmen at Bowling Green have to take a writing class, which I passed. Um, but I, writing, I didn't like, but I was pretty good at it. My vocabulary was pretty good. I was really good with my words. Um, I spoke very well in my writing and, and verbally. So I did a lot of poetry in college, and that was something that I enjoyed. And writing poetry, was speaking. Man. Philosopher, yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it was. Psychology, philosophy, um, a lot of uh, sciences that I was big into after college. Coy really. Hemingway Brown. Right there we go. <laughs> so that was that was something that I was I was I enjoyed in poetry and writing and uh, speaking. So Grant, like I said, I was not a speaker, not a writer for you guys who are listening, but um, it was something I knew that moved me, and I was passionate about what I was studying, and I knew what I was doing could help a student athlete like myself. It could help a parent, and it could help kids who are in school could help an adult or a CEO because, like I said, it wasn't rah-rah. It was about you. Right. And the more you understand you, the more you understand people around you. Because, yes, we are different personalities, but we're all the same. Um, there's just, you know, variables or different uh, configurations of how we operate, but the source is the same. And I understood that. So uh, from there, started my company in 2016 in April. Uh, you deserve to win. Uh, really on the premise of hope and understanding, as I kind of reiterated, hope that, hey, there's more in you than there's outside of you. Um you know, yes, circumstances happen, but um, you know, if you can learn from them and use them um, as as a tool, as a guide, you can you can turn your life around. On the back end, understanding that hey, if you study yourself, start to learn these lo- these laws or principles that we call it nowadays nowadays, uh, and mix that, there is some some promise for you uh, if you're really willing and able. If you're willing and able to do that, and and, and interested and invested in, in changing yourself and being honest with yourself there's some change that is, is definitely going to happen. So that's what I kind of fell in love with um, and been, been doing for the past four years now. So four years, here we are. What's happening in Coy Brown's life right now? What's, what's the next move? We kind of got a real good taste of who Coy Brown is all the way up until this point. Yeah. What's happening now? What's next for Coy Brown? What's, what are the moves for 2020? 
Well, to be honest with you, um, or not even just 2020 in general. What could what are the moves now for Coy Brown in this next part of his life, going into that third decade? Right. <laughs> so going to make you feel old, but right. No, no, I'm I'm still young and I'm alive. So yeah. So this this next decade, right? Um, as I was telling you earlier, um, I have a documentary I want to open up about, and that's going to be who is Coy Brown. I want the audience who's listening now and people in the community to say who is Coy Brown. And get a really open, honest, authentic, raw perspective from childhood till now, more in depth of my story and say, it's okay to be different. It's okay to be navigating on your own story, your own journey, um, whether you're getting help or not, and be vulnerable um, to really just open up. And I think that's something I've learned in hindsight now, looking back, that you know, there's power in being vulnerable. There's strength in being vulnerable. Of course. So there's documentary I have. Um, still have some events coming up here in February. Um, some other meetings I have other organizations and speaking in August at a film festival. Um, so that's coming up. Um, soon to get, you know, I want to get married. So that's coming up. Attaboy. So for you guys who are, are listening, you know, marriage is, is some family um, here soon, uh, within the next year. You're really, engaged? No, not yet. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. It's coming yeah. So yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll know. Attaboy. So don't, don't you worry. But um, yeah, so that's coming up and, and also just really being more consistent. Um, I'm going to re- kind of reposition my business going into 2020 um, and, and do some other operations that I want to do that I'm passionate about and community work. So not only just speaking and writing, but, uh, you know, Coy Brown loves community work. I love humanitarian projects. I love getting kind of on the foot soldier per se. And I want to reach out to a lot of nonprofits, which I've done so far this year um, to kind of make that a good, you know, goal for me, but something I'm passionate about and, and bring light to the community that, hey, uh, yes, you can do good in your career, but there's also stuff you should give back to. It's going to be an incredible ride to watch you uh, keep on going here. It's definitely been a pleasure getting to hear this story, and I'm excited for our listeners who get to hear this for the first time who have ever wondered the question, who is Corey Brown? And even if you haven't, uh, you're definitely going to be hearing a a wonderful story Um, and also this documentary that's coming up uh, hopefully, what, next year? Uh, So we're going to start uh, filming February 3rd, but uh, we'll probably get it done end of the year, if not First of the new year, 2021. But, See, uh, 2021. Check out this documentary. But you heard it, you started to hear the story first here on The Longest Road. Coy, thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us here. It's been a pleasure. I wish you nothing but the best. Yes, thank you so much, Josh, man. I thank for you guys having me on here, and you know, I wish you the best as well. Thanks. You've been listening to The Longest Road with Josh Williams on podcast by Federated Media. If you'd like to recommend a guest, Find the Contact Us link in the description and let us know. Until next time, thank you for listening, and I'll see you down the longest road. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.